You are listening to the You Are a Lawyer podcast. I am the podcast host, Kyla Denanio, a 2015 law school graduate. This podcast was created to share the experiences and successes of law school graduates who created their own paths to career success. In episode 26, I am speaking with a law school administrator and lawyer. This guest advocates for prospective law students and serves as a faculty advisor at Campbell University School of Law. Based in Raleigh, North Carolina, today's guest is Josue Jimenez. Welcome to the podcast, Josue. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm excited, for sure. Would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Josue Jimenez. I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. When I was halfway through middle school, my parents decided to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. So I finished out middle school there, went to high school there, and then I went to UNC Chapel Hill for an undergrad where I majored in international studies and religious studies. And then after that, I knew I wanted to go to law school, but I didn't really know what a lawyer did Mm -hmm. on a day-to-day basis because I didn't know any lawyers at that point. And so then I decided to take a year in between undergrad and law school and work. And so I was able to get a position as a legal assistant at a firm, at a small firm in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And so they primarily did immigration work and I loved it. And I really enjoyed being there and it confirmed for me that that's what I want to do. And so from there, I came back down to North Carolina to Raleigh to attend Campbell University School of Law. And I've been now in Raleigh for seven years, graduated in 2017, passed the bar that summer. Since then, I've kind of bounced around. I was a public service fellow for Campbell Law School where I helped oversee our student organizations, our pro bono projects. Then I worked with Legal Aid of North Carolina for a little bit, and then I was in the general counsel's office for the North Carolina Department of Public Safety before coming to this position where I am now, the assistant director of admissions at Campbell Law. Okay. So you said a lot there. Yes. What, <laughs> what was it in middle school that sparked the interest for you? I always wanted to help people, even younger than middle school. When we lived in L.A., something my parents always instilled in me was being involved in the community, uh, Mm -hmm. doing community service, because even though we didn't have much growing up, we had what we needed. And there were, my parents wanted to make sure that we knew that, you know, there's always people in need that you can help and that you should stay involved in your community wherever you end up and help those that need it. And so from there, I just wanted to be essentially an advocate. And so for the longest time, I was between becoming an, uh, an attorney or a doctor. And okay. so those were my two avenues, like a lot of uh, law students yep. start out. And then, <laughs> uh, but for me, I didn't make it as far as a lot of law students. Uh, 10th grade honors chemistry made me realize that I was not gonna be a doctor. Uh, <laughs> and so that was my first C. And so then uh, I was like, lawyer it is. And I always really enjoyed talking to people more, more so than the science aspect of it. So. I knew that that's, that was what I wanted to do. And so I would do, you know, volunteer, try to meet lawyers, but just in the communities that I was in, I just didn't have access to that as much. Mm-hmm. So that's why I decided to take that time, that year in between undergrad and law school. Okay. And how did you end up in Michigan? Was that the only firm that was practicing the type of law you were interested in? No. So actually, my girlfriend uh, is from Michigan. So she was okay. still finishing up school at the, there at the time. And so okay. what I did was I knew I wanted to be up there for that year as well, or try to be at least. 
And so because I didn't know anyone there, I looked up all the attorneys that were doing immigration law because at the time that's what I was really interested in. And I emailed all of them. I think it was like 30, 35 attorneys in that city. And then out of those, two have responded. One said, no, we're not really looking for anyone. <laughs> which I appreciate the response. And then the second one said, maybe. And so we set up a call, we talked, and then he's like, you know what? I don't have space for a full-time, but I have space for part-time, and that's okay with you. I took it, and, you know, I loved it. Wow, very cool. How did you like Michigan? Uh, not enough to stay there. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I love Michigan, the Grand Rapids area, but the winter is mm-hmm. uh, too much for me. I quickly realized I was not made for the cold, uh, being from California and then from North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, the long winters and tons of snow mm-hmm. were definitely not me or my little Toyota Corolla at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am in Ohio, so I understand. And Michigan gets winters much worse than we do. So mm-hmm. you can keep it. <laughs> yeah, no, and in the part of the state I was in, it was the western part, so they get all the lake effect snow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oof, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so religious studies for undergrad, what made you study that? Yeah, so when I started undergrad, I knew I wanted to go to law school, but I didn't know what the requirements were. Mm. And so during orientation, one of my orientation leaders said, he was a junior, and he said, oh, I'm going to law school too. I'm a political science major. You should major in that. And I said, okay, I don't know what political science is, but that sounds good. And so that's where I started out as a freshman. And so I signed up for a bunch of political science classes once I started those classes, I quickly realized that that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and so my sophomore year, I found out that law schools don't care what you major in. You can major in whatever you want. There's not a mm-hmm. specific requirement. So then I went to my advisor and I asked her for a list of all the majors that I could do that didn't include a math or science requirement or econ. Uh, and so yeah. there was a short list. And so out of that <laughs> list... Global studies or international studies really stuck out to me and religious studies really stuck out to me. I just, I grew up in the church, so I wanted to get a perspective that wasn't just Sunday school, basically, yeah. um, more of a historic, historical perspective. And so it just appealed to me. So I ended up focusing on Latin American politics and then on the religious studies side, I ended up focusing on early Christianity. That's very cool. I think it makes sense to then go to law school with that background. Yeah, I mean, it's all reading and writing, so Mm -hmm. a lot of history, so I really enjoyed it. Okay, cool. You mentioned that you practiced for a couple of years, first with the Battered Immigrant Association and then also as the Assistant General Counsel. Mm -hmm. What led you back to Campbell Law? Yeah, so I was planning on being with the Department of Public Safety when I got that position. I was planning on being there for about four or five years and then starting to see if there was another you know, avenue I wanted to go to, or, you know, it's pretty common in government work, especially in those types of positions for people to bounce around to agencies. So when I was there, we had some people coming from the attorney general's office and then leaving to the industrial commission. So it was a lot of bouncing around. And so that's something that I considered doing, but five years down the road, I wanted to really get experience, get to know more people, get to know more of my area that I was working in because where I was, I was assigned to the primarily oversee offender tort claims, but also Mm -hmm. do 
did a lot of internal policies when it came to all of the adult correction facilities in the state of North Carolina. But then the dean of admissions at the law school called me and he told me that he was leaving to be the dean, assistant dean of admissions at a different law school. And so he said that the assistant director position was going to be available. And if I was interested, because he knew that when I was a law student and being a public service fellow that I had started to get some interest in working in law school, in the law school setting as an administrator. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, talk to the dean if, if you're really, is this something you're really interested in? And so I thought, you know, this is a lot like really ahead of schedule, but let me think about it. And so I thought about it for a couple of days and I knew that if I passed up the opportunity that I would regret it, if I didn't at least try it out. Mm-hmm. And that if I tried it out and I hated it, I could just get a different job. So <laughs> I was like, you know, why not? And so, uh, and for me, it was also the fact that it was the law school that I attended. I think if it would have been a different law school at first, it would have been a little bit more of a difficult decision. Yeah. Um, just because here I knew everyone, all the professors I had, all the administrators I had. So a lot of the students that were here, I still knew. So it was a pretty seamless transition coming back and so it was it was very attractive to me to be back in law school which I actually really enjoyed which sounds mm-hmm. weird but especially not having all the stressors of law school right uh, <laughs> of like class and homework it just made it like too much for me to say no so that's how I ended up here yeah I would love to see law school from the opposite side it's nice. <laughs> I know it's it nice. from the student side <laughs> Especially when they're paying you to be here instead of right. you paying to be here. <laughs> so, I mean, hearing it, it does sound really fantastic that they called you and were like, hey, will you come back? But you had graduated two years ago and law school, you know, is a three-year assignment. So that's not too wild, you know, that he would have remembered you. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we stayed in touch. And okay. that was something that I think because he, he became a good mentor for me. Okay. And just in general, because he, he was a lawyer as well prior to becoming, going into the admissions world. And so I kind of really identified with his path to law school. And so he really helped me out a lot as well. So we definitely stayed in touch. Yeah, you were in the right spot at the right time. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then you also mentioned being the Wallace Public Service Fellow. Could you share a couple more details about that? Yeah, so we were the third class to do it. The Dean, Dean Rich Leonard, he started the fellowship. So the Dean used to be a former federal judge and the way that he puts it is that he had his clerks and he couldn't have done what he did without clerks. And then when he came here and became Dean, he no longer had clerks. Mm-hmm. And so he identified three areas where there really there was a need for help but primarily from an alumni or someone that was licensed. And so those areas are him directly, he has a fellow. And then we have our advocacy teams, our director, that he has a fellow that helps him oversee all of our trial teams, our moot court teams, and then the public service fellow, which is what I did. And we help oversee all of the student organizations and pro bono projects that the law school has. And so it's a one-year position. And for me, it really opens my eyes to really see what it takes to operate a law school Mm -hmm. and kind of started me on this path that I'm on now in admissions where 
it really made me think and realize that I could see myself in higher ed. I hadn't really th thought about it in law school, but after that experience, it was a possibility in the future for me. Yeah, so that's, that's actually one of my questions, but did you get to choose which path you were on? Like, did you specifically sign up for the Wallace Public Service knowing that it was being over organizations and those kind of things? Yeah, so I, okay. I could have applied to all three if I wanted okay. to, but that one was just the best fit for me uh, because as a law student, I was really involved with a lot of student organizations and student government and pro bono. So it was just a, the best natural fit for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always wondered what the path was to be in a school administrator and I hadn't considered anything like that fellowship, so. Yeah, no, like I, like I said, <laughs> if you would have asked me my one year, if I ever saw myself in higher ed or law school administration, I would have said no. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was just never in the picture for me. But but yeah, that fellowship really opened my eyes to that. Okay, very cool. So in your current role, you act as the faculty advisor for the Hispanic Law Student Association. Were you a member of that association when you were in law school? Yes, so I was the president of it my okay. 2L year. Um, and then I went on to be the SBA vice president my 3L year. So I was still involved with the HOSA my 3L year. I just wasn't in a leadership position for it. Yeah. Vice president. How was that? It was interesting, you know, because I had never run for anything before, like anything student government related. So it was uh, a fun experience to do that and, you know, to be able to serve the student body and my friends and, you know, the students in the other classes that I really cared about. So it was really, really fun to be a part of that group. Yeah. When I was a 1L, I wanted to be parliamentarian. And everyone's mm. like, you can't be parliamentarian. I mean, you can, but you're a 1L, you have to focus on grades. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I'm more passionate than he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like the person I was up against was a 2L. So everyone's like, everyone knows him more. But okay. I mean, I did get it. But then as a 2L, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much work. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the thing about law school, and that's why, you know, it, I wanted to stay in leadership position with Hustle, but as you know, you have to kind of pick and choose how you mm -hmm. manage your time with law school. So what I say is, you know, I was actively involved in leadership with a couple of organizations, but I was really a member of all the student organizations because I would still go to the meetings and the events, okay. but I just couldn't, you know, take everything on that I wanted to because there's so much that law schools offer. And most of us are overachievers, so we just want to do everything. Mm -hmm. So learning to say no is, is definitely key. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And you mentioned that law school gave you great advocacy skills, and you wanted to use those skills with prospective Campbell Law students. Would you share a bit more about how you do that as the assistant director <laughs> of admissions? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's in multiple ways, really, because part of it is trying to advocate for certain ways in which we put ourselves out there for prospective students. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how we do outreach, how, who do we talk to, how do we communicate to people? And then the other is to kind of educate and teach students, especially first generation students, that the pathway to law school, you know, the, the law school application process especially for first-gen students, which I am one, can seem very overwhelming. And especially when you don't really have anyone to guide you. Mm -hmm. um, there's just so many things that you don't know and, and mistakes that you can make, which I made some. And so 
my purpose and my goal when I'm talking to students is to try to show them, like, don't make the mistakes I made. This is yeah. how you approach this process. And so, so that's one side of it. The other side of it is also just advocating in general for, you know, if I really like a student and I think we should give them a shot, you know, even if the numbers aren't necessarily within our typical range, that's just me advocating sometimes for that specific student because I see something in them. And so, you know, we have those conversations. Every law school has their admissions committee. And so you'll have one student that you really like that may not fit within those typical ranges. And so that's another area where I become an advocate for someone. But but yeah, primarily it's just making sure that prospective students, I'm always upfront with them. I try to give them, you know, the clearest answer that I possibly can about the admissions process and what law schools look for in students. And then, you know, for my current students as well and helping them along the path as well to graduation and then beyond when trying to find positions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the fact that you went to Campbell and now you are on the administrative side at your alma mater is incredible. I hope at the end of the day, you sit down and you're like, wow, I've come full circle. Like that's a really big deal. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard sometimes to feel that way, but there are moments, especially when I talk to other first generation, especially like Hispanic students or their parents, Mm -hmm. especially because they remind me so much of my parents. And so I'm always happy to answer all their questions, but they, they like say, thank you for everything that you're doing and investing. And, you know, they have, they have, I'm glad they have someone like you to look up to And I'm like, wait, why is anyone looking up to me? Like I haven't done done anything, but that definitely puts it in perspective just because on a day-to-day, you know, as a lawyer or as an administrator, you're surrounded by it. Once you're in the legal world, everyone's yeah. a lawyer, everyone's a law student. So you don't necessarily feel like you stick out that much, but then putting it into perspective in the larger community, you definitely realize what a privilege it is to be in this type of position. Yeah, it is. You're certainly a pioneer. That's awesome. So what does, if you have typical days, <laughs> what does a typical day look like as the assistant director of admissions? Yeah, so I was fortunate to get six months of a typical day before the pandemic. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, so I started September of 2019 in this role. And so normally in the fall, it's nonstop travel. And that was something that really appealed to me, too, because I'm not one to want to be stuck in a windowless office all mm-hmm. day, every day. I just need to get out and, or talk to people or something. And so for me, the prospect of being able to travel for three months and then the rest of the year talking to students in person or doing presentations and then, you know, a little bit of a balance of reviewing applications and doing that. So that really attracted me. So basically August through November, we're traveling constantly. I think for the month of October, I was home a total of like maybe four or five days <laughs> so uh, it was pretty constant but I, I enjoyed it everywhere I went was the first time I had ever been there so I got to see so many parts of the country that normally I would never get to visit so that was really fun and then once the travel season ends it's all about application review and then building relationships with students and then just hosting I like to host different webinars you know not everything's a webinar so mm-hmm. just talking to students <laughs> doing individual conversations where students just ask to me and just have a lot of questions. So 
having those meetings, giving tours of the building. That's a t- that's what we do a lot. So typically okay. that's what we do when we're not traveling. This year, in the past year for the pandemic, I would say it's more so of just virtual events, really. Um, yeah. And answering questions and talking to students. You know, we've kind of had to limit our community outreach, at least in person. So we've just transition to completely virtual format so a lot of zooms is what a typical date looks like now okay and so you mentioned august through november was travel but the rest of the time is reviewing applications do you guys have what's called like the rolling application process yes so we do rolling admissions the application opens up in september and the deadline is may 1st but okay. what I tell students is you want to apply the earlier, the better, just because if you wait until May 1st, by that point, we have a much clearer picture of what our class is looking like. Okay. Uh, so schools tend to be more selective at the end. Yeah. Okay. And how are the building tours going now that they're virtual? Just kind of send prospective students a video. Yeah. So we did a video um, okay. to make it easier for ourselves. But I've heard, <laughs> I've heard some schools, they'll have like, um, they'll do a Zoom and they'll just walk around yeah. with their phones and should do that. <laughs> so <laughs> we thought about that, but I'm like, yeah, that's a little much. So we just recorded a video and then we did offer tours uh, throughout the past year for admitted students, but we just limited it to admitted students because normally we would have a lot of people walk in or prospective students that just want to do a quick tour, but this year we just limited it to them. And so we did in-person tours for them. And we were actually primarily in person for classes as well. We made it optional for our students okay. to be in person or online, and most of them chose to be in person. So, you know, we redid the schedule a little bit to try to limit how many people were in the building at one time. So we were able to offer those in person tours for the admitted students. Yeah. So I'm sure once everything opens back up, the touring season is going to still feel brand new because you're like, wow, I haven't seen this in two years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I have to learn to give a lot shorter tours because I talk a lot. And because (laughs) normally it's like, you know, with the the policy that we've had this past year, it's maybe like one, maybe two tours a day, a couple of times a week. So it wasn't too bad. And so I could just talk and answer questions and, and ask questions of the student. But now, you know, I'm sure we'll start getting more back to back uh, appointment, so I'll have to be more concise. Yeah, and I'm sure the fact that you went to school there is included in that, right? You know, all yeah, the little secrets. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So sometimes <laughs> I get carried away talking about student organizations or professors or what exams are like, things like that. Yeah. Campbell Law probably makes up for like a third of all of my followers on Instagram. You guys oh, are like yeah. really active. Awesome. And yeah. Yeah. So when I saw your profile, I was like, oh my God, I'd love to speak to someone who's from, you know, actually Campbell, because you guys are everywhere. You're really prominent. Yeah, that's something that I've I've noticed, especially with the newer students. That's something that they're always looking for more connections to find out more about like all the pathways that a lawyer can take, um, Mm -hmm. because that's something that we tell them. It's like, of course, you know, most people want to practice and want to do this and that, but there are so many things that you can do with your JD that so many people don't even know about. Yep, this is true. And that's why this podcast exists, so I can Exactly. Let you know. <laughs> so you're the perfect, uh, you know, source of information for this. Yeah. 
So it sounds like being the assistant director of admissions is not just the underperson to the director of admissions. You have your own task and your own schedule of things that you do. Definitely. Um, okay. It varies school to school. And for us, we're just a small staff. So we're just a lot more involved okay. in the day to day than I think other schools with bigger staffs might be, um, which I appreciate because I get to, you know, really be a part of the entire process when it comes to admissions and then other uh, departments that we collaborate with as well. Okay. Is being a school administrator, at least at a law school, is it a JD preferred job? It is for law school, yeah. For okay. most law schools, it'll be JD preferred. Okay. I've been wondering about that. I'm like, I wonder. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I just assumed everyone mm -hmm. had JD. But when I would travel, that was something that surprised me was how collegial everyone was. I didn't know how competitive different law schools were yeah. going to be students. But everyone was super supportive and very helpful. And most people do have JDs, but there are a few that don't, that just have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. Okay. But they... To, for them, the, the people that I met that don't have a JD background, it's a bigger learning curve for them when it comes to that. I'm sure. Yeah. So in addition to being the assistant director of admissions, you also are actively licensed in North Carolina. And you said that you have some pro bono work. Are there any projects or anything you want to share about that? Yeah, so I try to do pro bono work whenever I get the chance. The first few months, I was trying to get my my footing in this new position, but now that I've, I've gotten into a good rhythm, I'm looking into volunteering more. I, I did help with a couple of nonprofits, trying to do like Know Your Rights clinics, those kinds of things. But now um, I'm looking to get more involved with like our pro bono projects, for example, the clinics that we have, Legal Aid of North Carolina, where I actually work. Um, I'm reaching out to them to get involved actually where I used to work in the Battered Immigrant Project, so helping them out. And so just wherever I'm needed, and you know, parents like to brag about their kids, and so they've been telling, <laughs> my parents have been telling all their friends that I'm a lawyer, so I'll randomly get emails or texts saying, hey, I'm friends with your parents, or your parents told me you can help me with this. I even know <laughs> it has nothing to do with what I, what I practice, but you know, the good thing, the benefit of being a, an attorney is that you can at least figure it out. Or, you know, I might know someone mm -hmm. that I graduated with that does that, so I can ask them questions. So it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. And all around, it sounds like you don't even regret it. Like you would have taken the same path over again if you had the choice. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. That's something that I remember my 1L year, first semester, we would hang out in like the cafeteria area of the law school. And uh, it was a group of friends of, uh, of mine in my section. And one day we were just talking about what would we do if law school didn't work out? Like if we flunked out or, or we withdrew for some reason, like mm -hmm. what would be our, our alternative career path? And everyone was going around the table and saying theirs. And for me, I was like, I can't see myself not in this profession. Like I have no idea what I would do if I was not somehow involved with the legal profession. So, wow. so yeah, so it's just weird. Uh, it, it's just become part of who I am. So. I, I just definitely no regrets in going to law school, which I know some people regret it, um, but <laughs> that's why whenever I talk to students, that's the whole thing that I tell them is like, take some time to really make sure, to really reflect and make sure that this is what you want to do because you don't want to be the person that regrets going to mm -hmm. law school. And I think that's responsible of you to do, especially because you are biased since you enjoyed it so much. So 
Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you see it, you know, the burnout rates or the people that think that this is what they want to do and realize that they absolutely hate being full-time practice or, you know, but then you also see people that absolutely love it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why I try to tell students is it's a lot better for you mentally, emotionally, and financially to figure that out before (laughs) you start law school than during or after. So, I try to encourage them to spend as much time reflecting on their why as much as possible. Yeah. Excellent. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah. We just started a program that's completely online and free for first-generation students. So Dean Cartwright, who's the Dean of Admissions here, she's also a first-generation law student. And so we created this program called the First Generation Blueprint that walks students through the whole law school admissions process and gives perspectives from both first-generation current law students and first-generation attorneys in a variety of areas. And so it's just an informative program so that they can kind of get a better understanding of how everything works and what that experience is like. So if they were interested in signing up, they could check out our website, which is law.campbell.edu, and they could find out more about it there. All right. Thank you so much, Josue. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Uh Uh-huh. Bye. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. While you are here, subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and tell a friend about this episode. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.